Shadow of the Evening Trees. I think we're on episode eight. That is correct. We're recording this episode on March 7th, Monday, March 7th, 2022. I uh, hope everyone is doing well. Um, we, uh, as I mentioned the last time, oh, I suppose we should introduce ourselves, yes. which we typically do. My name is David Von Ebers. And I'm Jennifer Von Ebers. I'm losing, um, I'm losing my uh, memory rapidly obviously. Um, but so we mentioned the last time that um, I was going to be on a Bruce Springsteen related podcast called Set Lusting Bruce, which is run by uh, a guy named Jesse Jackson in Dallas, Fort Worth. Jesse Jackson, not the reverend or the politician, but the podcaster. Um, so I recorded that last week on Thursday of last week and really had a great time. And it, it was great. And so we want to give a shout out to Jesse. Definitely. Um, Jennifer and I also post some videos on a joint Instagram account. If you're interested, that's at Jen underscore and underscore Dave. Um, and we mentioned, we've mentioned the, the uh, Springsteen podcast on that a couple times. So we don't necessarily want to repeat ourselves too much. <laughs> But it was really, it was really a lovely time, um, and we did have an opportunity. Jesse and I had an opportunity to talk a bit about this podcast and what we're trying to accomplish with it in our relationship. If you're not familiar with um, our relationship, it's what I guess you could generically call a mixed orientation pod. Uh, <laughs> I'm really losing it. A mixed orientation marriage. Sorry about that. Um, I happen to be gay. Um, and we are coming up on our 20th, 27th wedding anniversary. 27th wedding anniversary. So needless to say, we're still together <laughs> yes. despite this. <laughs> and uh, so it was really nice to be able to talk to Jesse about that. In addition to talking about um, my near obsession with Bruce Springsteen and why as a gay person, I've always responded to and, and found that his music resonated with me. We, we talked a little bit about that before. But I have to say that, you know, talking to Jesse was, this is exactly the way you want a conversation like this to go. Because it was, you know, he didn't treat me or us as some kind of curiosity. Um, he, didn't, he didn't ask uncomfortable questions. <laughs> In fact, we kind of talked about how, you know, sometimes people are inclined to do that sort of thing. But it was just very open and uh, honest and no... From my perspective, anyway, no awkward moments, no awkward pauses, just a normal conversation between two people who are kind of, you know, interested in where the other person is coming from. So it was really great. I was really, really happy with that. And I think it's nice in this kind of situation where through the power of social media, you find somebody randomly, you didn't know Jesse before a few weeks ago. That's right. You know, and all of a sudden how just making one connection can lead to other things. 
and um, you know you kind of get outside of your comfort zone a little bit and be able to participate in things like that so that's right. awesome so this episode the episode of Jesse's podcast will um, will be posted around the beginning of April and we'll certainly you know post a link um, to that uh, and then so we recorded Thursday night and then after the recording Thursday night uh, Jesse emailed me and said would Jennifer like to be on the show <laughs> <laughs> and at first I thought together um, for us together but he just met me and um, I was like well I'll do it but I like if not a big I am a Bruce Springsteen fan. I don't have the knowledge base that David has. <laughs> I, I force you to listen to <laughs> more Bruce than you could ever care to listen Which to. Which I'm fine with. You know, that's that's totally fine. But I said uh, I do like cooking in my spare time. So I said if we could pepper in some cooking um, throughout there, I'd be happy with that. And yeah. he said, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and that's the thing is that um, although obviously the, the, the podcast focuses on Bruce and, 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 the, and Springsteen fans... Um, and people talking about their experiences with with his music, you know, he's such an easygoing person, and he has just sort of a general interest in what other people are interested in. And so I, I have all the confidence in the world that that will go really well. Uh, but it was funny because <laughs> I, I came into the kitchen after reading my email, and I said, hey, guess what? How about this? <laughs> How about this? So it's pretty cool, um, and and uh, I will hopefully also record a follow up ep episode with him sometime in April, uh, because in the course of recording the podcast the other night, I was talking about um, the sort of mutual admiration society between Bruce Springsteen and my other obsession, <laughs> musical obsession, which is Joe Strummer and the Clash. And Springsteen has played Clash songs, and it was Joe Strummer who uh, pre prevailed on the organizers of the Glastonbury Festival in the UK to invite Bruce to perform, and he did a very famous cover of London Calling at that show and so forth. And so, um, you know, I was talking about the, the mutual admiration sort of between the two, like my two favorite artists, which I didn't know about until, you know, just some a few years ago. And so then Jesse said, okay, so <clears throat> send me an email with your 10 favorite Clash songs and I'll listen to them and then we'll have a follow-up discussion about that. So hopefully that'll happen. And you're uh, like, that will take me five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, no, as, I, as yeah. we were talking about on the last video we did on our Instagram page, I think, I think he, may, he may regret that now <laughs> because I came up with a kind of an involved list with explanations and everything like that. So I, I hope that wasn't overkill. I think for somebody who like that, who's like into music, that'll be a welcome, you know, just kind right. of like introduction to a, a group or met, uh, people that you don't know. Right. And the thing, the thing that's interesting to me about both artists really is how, and we talk, we touched a little bit about this on the, the podcast is that you know, a lot of times artists are making music for people who are actually younger than they are, right? So Joe Strummer happened to be 10 years older than me, but I was in high school when punk was a thing, right, When the, in the late 70s. And in a sense, it's like people like Joe Strummer, like The Clash and The Ramones, were really sort of targeting my age group, even though we were 10 years younger. So, um, you know, and then I think about my dad was a, big fan of um, um, Woody Guthrie and he liked Pete Seeger. They were all kind of of the same generation, 
But when you think of sort of the typical fan of their music, again, it's usually someone younger than them. So anyway, uh, I think that given that Jesse is around the same age as me, um, you know, he, even if he's not familiar with it, he might appreciate it. Um, but, and also I think that, that the commonality between the two is that they both sort of targeted their music at, you know, the people who are typically left out in society. And I think, you know, as a gay person, that's what appealed to me, even though that wasn't really the specific subject matter of their music. Although, Jesse had um, a, a guest on some time ago, and I'll, uh, while we're chatting here, I'll, I'll look it up, but he had a guest on his show some time ago who, who had on social media tweeted a list of the 10 gayest songs of Bruce Springsteen. Okay. And um, the point was, was really that um, a lot of his songs can be interpreted in multiple different ways, one of which may be, you know, uh, appeal to same-sex people. Obviously, he did the theme song. We've talked about this before, but he did the theme song from um, the movie Philadelphia, the song Streets of Philadelphia, which is about um, someone who's not simply just gay, but also is, you know, um, uh, facing uh, AIDS and, and all that. And that was, was really, really intense. Um, the song was really intense. So, um, and, you know, there's some other things like in the song Backstreets, um, the love interest in the song is named Terry, except that it's spelled T-E-R-R-Y, which, you know, you ordinarily would associate with, um, with a man uh, rather than with, um, with a woman. But, you know, it's, it's ambiguous. Um, her name is Bella, Bella P uh, Por uh, Pori, P-O-R-I, and she did an episode with uh, Jesse some time ago where they talked about that. So this was not new uh, territory to, to the show, to his show, um, or to Jesse, but it was a really nice conversation. That's awesome. Anyway, so I have to bring up something else unrelated to that. Um, today is Casimir Pulaski Day That's in correct. the great state of Illinois. Um, and most people outside of the Chicago area would say, who? <laughs> um, but in Illinois, it's a, the, the, there is a holiday that celebrates the birthday of Casimir Pulaski. It's a state holiday. Uh, and you may wonder why that would be. Casimir uh, Pulaski, if you don't know, was uh, a Polish cavalry officer who came and fought in the American Revolution and is largely considered to be the father of the American cavalry. Uh, and why in, Why is it a state holiday in Illinois? He never set foot in the state of Illinois, as far as I know. But it's because Illinois and uh, Chicago, the Chicago area in particular has the largest Polish population outside of Warsaw. Yes. So um, there are many, many uh, Polish heroes in the Chicago area. Why is that relevant to our podcast, you might wonder? Well, I found something out today that I never knew about Casimir Plasky, and it's really fascinating. So there is a there is a law professor at Georgia State University named Anthony Michael Kreis. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's K-R-E-I-S. He was a law professor in Chicago for several years um, 
before he returned to Georgia, which is his home state, and started teaching at Georgia State. He's a constitutional law professor. But during his time in Chicago, he became familiar with Kazimir Pulaski because it's sort of impossible not to become right. familiar with Kazimir Pulaski when, you, when you're in Chicago. So on Twitter, he uh, recited this amazing story about Pulaski that I never knew. And so Pulaski, uh, so he came from Warsaw. He was uh, from a very wealthy, influential family. He was a great, um, he had a lot of skill on horseback, you know, and he was, as I said, a cavalry officer. He had a, apparently a falling out with the government because I, as I understand, it tried to lead a, a, a rebellion against the government, which doesn't always work well. So he left Poland, um, went to France where he met Benjamin Franklin and they became, you know, friends and so forth. And Franklin persuaded him to come to the United States or to the colonies rather, you know, to, to fight in the revolution. So he did that. He was very successful. However, he did not live to see the end of the revolution. He died in a battle just outside of Savannah, Georgia. So initially his remains, believe me, this, this relates back to our podcast, trust me. Initially his remains were buried on a plantation in Georgia. And then eventually in Savannah, there's a, I guess a Pulaski Square. So there was a monument to Casimir Pulaski. His remains were reinterred um, in Pulaski Square in Savannah. <clears throat> so you fast forward to the 1990s, the monument is in need of repairs and so on and so forth. So they exhumed his remains and were, they were going to, you know, re-inter uh, them when the monument was fixed up. And they noticed, I don't know who, <laughs> but someone with a medical background noticed that the bones appeared to be the bones of a woman. Really? Yes. And so the initial thought was, well, maybe there was a mistake. Maybe when they exhumed the body to put it in this uh, memorial, they exhumed the wrong person. But DNA evidence showed it in fact was Casimir Pulaski. And it took about 25 years to figure out that he was either intersex or a transgender man. There you go, I did not know that. Right, so yeah, I mean, so it's just this really fascinating thing. And I don't, I'm not doing this story justice because uh, Anthony uh, Christ's story, the way he rolled it out on Twitter <laughs> was fantastic. But I, but so the point is, I mean, obviously a number of things, number one, um, that's pretty amazing that this sort of legendary American hero, legendary hero of the American Revolution, was uh, most likely trans, or at least, or, or I shouldn't say at least, or intersex, um, but not a cisgender man, as most people always assume that he was. And what's also, it kind of leads to the, the larger point, not just that this great American military hero was a trans or, or intersex, but also that, you know, underscores the point that people have been trying to make without really being heard, which is that, you know, people, trans people, gay people, non-binary people, intersex people have always existed. Yes. This is not some new phenomenon. This is not some new thing. Um, and also not only have always existed, but have always um, 
despite you know the odds and despite the prejudices, you know, done great things. Um, so it's a really fascinating story. And I think it's especially relevant today because there's so many, you know, we've talked about it before, but so many attacks on trans people and on, on the broader community that um, it's just, it's good to be reminded that this isn't something new, that, you know, we've, we've always had this really varied um, species. We've always been this really varied species. There's always been people who were not exactly, you know, what you would necessarily think. And instead of looking at that as a curiosity or I don't understand why are these people different than me or why do they claim to be different, maybe just accept the fact that this has always been the case. Um, and unfortunate that it's taken so, this long for people to be comfortable enough to right. live the way they want to. And, you know, um, Jesse and I were talking about this a little bit on his podcast, not the story of Casimir Plasky, because I didn't know that until today. Um, but I think that, that, that there, you know, the problem is I, I really feel like people are sort of, you know, they're hardwired to think in really binary terms, right? This, everything has to be black and white. There's men and there's women, and that's it. You know, that's all there is in the world. And then you say, well, no, it's really not that simple, you know. There, there, there are, you know, other flavors and varieties of people. And that really bends people's minds. Like they can't, it was hard enough for people to accept that, that gay people existed. And then sort of begrudgingly straight people kind of said, okay, fine. There are straight people and there are gay people. And they're like, well, no, not exactly. There's also, there are also bi people. There are people who are asexual. There are polyam, you know, um, uh, um, uh, I'm losing the, my thought. Um, but anyway, you know, there, there's just all these different things. And it's the same when it comes to gender. It's not as simple as saying, well, there's men and there's women, and that's all there is. And whatever that's said on your birth certificate, that's who you are for the rest of time. And, um, you know, that's also obviously not true. And But if people just could not... <laughs> not be so obsessed with that way of thinking, you know, I think that would lead to a lot more um, understanding. We talk about this, um, we've talked about this in the context of having, you know, a transgender daughter. You don't always um, understand things. And I'm not saying that to, to, to um, I'm not saying that's okay. I'm saying that's reality. We don't always understand things. And the most important thing you can do is realize it's actually okay if you don't understand things Absolutely. sometimes. But don't let your lack of understanding, you know, somehow or another control another person's life. And it's really not that hard. It, it, you know, I, I, I'm old. And usually you think of old people as being kind of stuck in their ways, right? But the thing I've learned as I've gotten older is it's really not that hard to say, oh, okay, let me sit back and let other people just be and they don't have to explain themselves to me. They don't have to defend themselves or justify themselves. I can figure it out. I can get, you know, wrap my head around it by simply sitting back and saying, okay, you know, the, I, I don't have to be the person who determines what everybody else is supposed to be in life. And when you start to think that way, 
um, you know, you can like train yourself to think that way. Then all of a sudden, none of these things are really all that surprising, you know? Definitely. I agree with that 100%. But unfortunately, you know, we're living in a time where there are just these constant attacks on um, everyone who's not a cisgender straight person, really. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, to think of how much we've had a fight against over the years, and I'm sure this will sound a little bit um, repetitive given some of the things we've talked about on the show before, but, you know, when I was um, uh, a young person in college and, and coming out of college and law school and so forth, that was the midst of the AIDS crisis, right? And people, we, we, the president of the United States, Ronald Reagan, would not say the word AIDS, you know, he wouldn't even acknowledge that it existed. People who, um, you know, would acknowledge that it existed, straight people who would acknowledge it existed, viewed it as some sign that, you know, the victims were uh, defective in some sense. We had to, we had to overcome all of that. Um, when people started finally to feel some degree of, you know, empathy towards AIDS victims and not automatically equate people who were gay with people who suffered from AIDS, then, you know, we still had to deal with, they didn't want gay people uh, teaching in the schools, you know, they didn't want gay people to be able to obviously get married or, you know, live in the same neighborhoods. I mean, we had, we had to overcome all of these things. But then finally, it seemed like that had begun to happen, right? You had President Obama, who was but far and away the most pro-LGBTQ plus president we've ever had. And I know, don't, I, everyone will come back and say, yeah, but he was against same-sex marriage. Yeah, maybe he was. Maybe for political reasons he said he was. But he's the one and his administration were the ones who pushed for marriage equality. They argued in front of the Supreme Court in favor of marriage equality. They abandoned the defense of laws that prohibited marriage equality, and thus we got marriage equality. So um, there's no question Barack Obama was extremely pro-LGBTQ+, and Joe Biden even as much, if not more so. But so, you know, we've gone through all this, but then we still face, you know, these laws in Florida, these laws in Texas, all of these places where they're trying to pass legislation to cut back on our rights, or even where they're not trying to cut back on our rights through legislation, they're carving out exceptions for religious beliefs, right? So now, although you could never say, I have a right to discriminate against people on the basis of race or ethnicity or other things because of my religion, somehow now we're supposed to be able to say, yes, but you can discriminate against gay people and trans people and so forth on the basis of your religion. We've talked about that before. I won't, I won't um, you know, repeat all of that. But it seems like we're undergoing this renewed attack. And it's always difficult to tell. Does this mean that, it, is this just the natural pushback as rights advance? There are still these holdouts that are always trying to fight back and, and push back against us? Or is there some, you know, real, um, real threat uh, to our rights? But the more state legislatures try to restrict the rights of LGBTQ plus individuals. And the more the courts carve out 
these kind of religious exceptions that don't seem to exist in any other part of anti-discrimination law. They only seem to apply to us. Um, you know, the more likely it is that over time, our rights are going to recede rather than keep, you know, advancing. So it's a pretty big concern. Um, it's kind of an interesting leap that I go from Casimir Pulaski <laughs> to this. But, I mean, the reason, obviously, is because, um, you know, we need to sort of break out of this myopic way of looking at things. I agree. And just look at it for what it is. Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess it, in in that sense, it's sort of a call to, to activism to try to, you know, if these things are happening in your state, contact your representatives, get involved. Let's try to push back against the pushback, I would say, um, and, and try to keep moving forward. But again, you know, to go back to what I was talking about at the beginning with Jesse, I mean, that's why that conversation to me was so encouraging, because it was just like, you know, two people from different circumstances, just having a normal conversation. There wasn't anything judgmental. There wasn't any questioning. It was just, hey, you know, what is your experience? And we were talking in large part through the prism of uh, music and liking a particular artist, but it was really much more about just sort of, you know, people getting to know each other. And I think, you know, I think that's a big part of the solution. It won't in and of itself defeat legislation and it won't, you know, solve the problem of the courts carving out these exceptions. But over time, it certainly makes a difference. So I'm hopeful that that was, a, you know, the kind of conversation that can help. Um, and we'll see where, where it all goes. But we'll definitely post um, when it comes online um, the podcast that you're in. And I think right. that the one that I'm recording in a couple of weeks will also be around that same time. Right. Back to back. I think that was the idea was that he would post both of ours back to back. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we, we won't always be sad and, and, and uh, uh, serious and everything <laughs> like that. Um, and, this, and the podcast was not that way. The one that I recorded, I'm sure yours won't be either. So, I'm going to tell lots of jokes. Lots <laughs> of jokes. Well, no, we had a really nice time. It was, yeah. a, it was a fun conversation. Um, so, in any event. Well, both of us like to talk, so it's kind of like not hard to, like, especially yeah. if it's something that you're interested in, it's not hard to like... That, is, that is very true. Um, if anybody has, uh, you know, any thoughts about things that might be happening in their state, you know, please leave uh, a comment. And we'll certainly take a look at any comments and, and, and review them and talk about them the next time. Um, hopefully we'll be back next week. You know, our, our schedule has been a little dicey, but we're trying to get back. <laughs> back in the groove. Back in the groove. So we're approaching our uh, time, but, um, you know, hopefully uh, you'll have, we'll have more to say about the podcasts in the future. Definitely. And as I say, feel free to leave us a comment. Uh, you can find us wherever you find podcasts. We get to say that now because yes. we're all over the place. So um, have a great uh, evening if you're listening to this in the evening. We're recording in the evening, yeah. but you may listen to it some other time. And we'll talk to you next time. All right. Take care. Bye.